Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. Doing good, doing well. Hope you're doing well, the Montgomeryville as well. Hey, I told you last week, I said, uh, you got to be loud. I can't hear. I found out what was wrong with me. We've been r- rocking too loud for 20 years, blew my eardrum out. And so I can hear you. I can't hear you. I can see everyone, but I, you got to be extra loud or I'm going to judge you and pray for them. And so, uh, and so, but it is good <laughs> to be with you. And, and so uh, today, hey, every once in a while stuff shows up on my, on my, on my thing, my little gifts from people. I, I would encourage gifts from people on my pulpit here. Somebody gave me this lovely, I was warned before I got up here though. They said, somebody put something. I love Arkansas. And so I actually think it's a great lead way into, thank you for that, by the way. There's only one person here that likes Arkansas, the person from Arkansas. And so, uh, but this is Memorial Day, Memorial Day weekend. And uh, sometimes in, when you live in relative greatness, right? Like I, I know every, there's different opinions on, on America, but for all, for, for most of us, it's a pretty awesome place to, to live. And uh, there's been a lot of sacrifice over the years uh, that has gotten us to, to the point where we are who, who we are as a country. It's not a political statement. It's just, it's just true. And so we live in pretty, pretty comfort settings. We have more money than, than anybody has ever had in the history of the world at our, at our, uh, at our disposal. We have the opportunity for careers. We, we, we can pursue dreams. And uh, sometimes when, when you're going through stuff like this and you live, you live somewhere too long, you forget that. Am I right? Like it's, it just becomes normal. And then these weekends just become opportunity for a hot dog, <laughs> right? Which every weekend is a good opportunity for a hot dog. Am I right? But you, you, it, and you forget to, and so I just want to take a moment. The Bible says, give honor where honor is due. And uh, so we, we celebrate those who have, have given their life for our country in the history and those that have, that have served in, in our military and currently are serving. Would you just give it up for them everywhere? <laughs> Even, even for, for Arkansas. And so, and some of you, some of you, I'm going to put this in my cage. And so some of you, some of you don't clap. And even the fact that you don't clap and you're able to have, have an attitude in a free country like this tells you, you should be excited. Right. And so, because even that is, is people fought for People fought for us to complain about uh, the greatest country that the world has ever, ever had. And so, uh, and that's, that's okay. That's not a political statement. I, I don't put my hope in politics. We, we're, we're about, we're, have you felt that? We're coming right back around. Here we come right back around the, the circle again. We're going to do it all over again. I, I've been praying. No more COVID. No more. I, I, don't, I don't care. Let's just talk about Jesus. Are you tracking with me? Okay, and so uh, today we're going to end our sermon series, uh, The Wild Goose. Next week we're going to start a new sermon series uh, on our, the power of our words. And uh, so I've been, I went through this book, and uh, I decided, as I read, after I read this book, I was like, I should read more. Anybody else? Like, oh, I'm going to keep reading. And I really enjoyed this book. It was about 100 pages or so. Writing's at about size 20 font. It's perfect for me. And so read it in a few weeks. And so I was like, I'm going to go get another Mark Batterson book. And so I ordered this book on the power of the tongue. It's called, uh, it's called Please Sorry Thanks, Three Words That Changed the World. And so I started reading through it and I was instantly convicted. And so last year, I'll give you a little preference where we go, of where we're going. Last year, uh, my wife said, told me I was 42 years old. She said, we're done having kids. 
You know what that means when your wife tells you that. Guys, you, don't, you know, are we tracking with me? That means you're, 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 you know how you take your dog to, the, to, to get neutered. That's what that means. You can come away with the cone, all that stuff. And so, so I knew that's what that meant. And so we're all family here. I can tell you about this. And so, and I told her before we went, I said, I read an article, right? Because there's always an article for everything. And I said, if I do this, I just want you to know that my extreme physical health and capabilities are going to be diminished. I need you to know that. I went through these, all these scientific facts. This is what's going to happen. I just need you to understand you're going to, you're going to, you're going to ruin what you have, right? And so, and uh, I got to be honest with you, I've, I've had a year this year where I've been, I've had stuff like my ear. I'm like, they're like, I'm like, how did I blow my ear out? They're like, we don't know, right? Could have been from you banging on it with your head, your ear, like trying to pop it last week. You probably popped it. And so, and, and for the year I've been complaining and I've been saying, hey, this is why this is happening to me. This happened because you made me go get neutered. And this happened, right? And she told me this week, she said, all this is happening because you keep saying it's going to happen. And she pulled out the Bible and I was like, all right. And I got, I started, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm complaining myself and whining myself and, and, and building a, a world with my words. Some of you, you this can be really important for you because some of you are professional complainers. You've already complained enough for the entire church on the way to church today. And you don't understand why your life is so erratic and so messed up. You, the Bible says your tongue has the power of life and death. Did you know that? So it's going to be a powerful, powerful, powerful series. I'm super excited to talk, to talk about it. And uh, today we're going to end this sermon series, the, the Wild Goose. And so if you haven't been here, uh, the challenge has been let's, let's listen to the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let's, let's seek his power his presence, and then let's, let's, let's move. And so we've been, we've been challenged. Here's some of the cages, so to speak, that a lot of Christians live in. Some of the cages. We talked about the cage of responsibility, the cage of routine. Uh, last week, we talked about the cage of, of guilt. Some of you, 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 you can't get anywhere because you're, you're carrying guilt around with you. Some of you made really bad assumptions about, about your life. And so we're on the precipice, hopefully, hopefully, of, of taking a step outside of the cage and beginning to live the adventure God is calling us to. That's been, that's been my hope. Even if two or three of you get it. Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just a realist. Like, I know that 95% of the church, this, you're just here. You're going to go, it's going to go in one and out the other. And I'm praying that that doesn't happen for you. So I'm just praying just 5% of the people in this room actually begin to respond to the Holy Spirit and do what he says. It would, it would literally change our towns, our families, and our church. Right? If we got 10%, whoa, look out, right? And so, but like, just some of you just listen. Like, okay, the Lord is speaking. And so you're at the, you're at the precipice. You're at the, 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 the exit of the, the cage, so, so to speak. And so uh, during COVID, I, I did some things that I wouldn't normally do. Anybody else? Like there's things that we, we, we participated in, things that we did, wouldn't normally do. And so I'm not an animal person. But during COVID, I collected dogs. I collected dogs. And so I bought two dogs during COVID. I no longer have any dogs. And so just so you know, because it's not COVID anymore. And so uh, during COVID, I bought two dogs. Now, I want to I just preface this so I don't get a hate mail from you. And so that I didn't give the dogs back to the pound. I didn't take them to the SPCA. They're not euthanized. I, I basically raised dogs potty train them and then gave them to friends and they get to reap the reward of my hard work. That's what happened twice. So what I got, I went to the Amish country, paid a thousand dollars, right? Because it was during COVID, but inflation hadn't hit yet. You know what I'm saying? So some point during COVID dogs went from a thousand to $6,000. You remember that? Some of you own one right now, right? Your dog costs more than your kid to be born, right? And so, right? 
I remember I went to Zimmer's Pets during COVID because I was, I was like, okay, I got to get normal. And Phoenixville was anything but during COVID. And, you know, some would argue that it still isn't. And so, uh, but, so I was like, I got to go to Bordertown. They, they're normal there, right? They don't even, COVID, whatever, throw some dirt on it. And so I went to Bordertown and I used to go in. That's, that's literally what they said. And so I went to Zimmer's, Zimmer's Pets. And at Zimmer's Pets, they, it was like the, 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 the local pet store that I, that I grew up going to. The pets are all mutts. They're like, they're just all mixed. They were like $4,000 for a dog. I was like, this, this is, this is going to be the only dogs you ever have again. So we're going to come here because you're never going to get a $4,000 dog. So my dogs were cheap. They were $1,000 each. And so I went once, bought this box, paid $1,000, gave it, gave it to somebody in two months, decided a month later, hey, that was a mistake. Let's get another dog. Five months later, you know, gave it away. And so that's how we, that's how we did. My two dogs were, were some of you are very judgy right now. And so... <laughs> Like and I'm just telling you, you have way too much value on something that's not eternal. I'm just letting you know. Just like, don't you? This is my dog. I, I get it. And I, just, I watched John Chris last night as prep to preach, right? So I'm very sarcastic right now, and I'm going to be very honest with you. And so I decided if a comedian can do it, I can do it too. And so, and so some of you very judgy right now. I can feel it. So let me just get to my story. And so uh, first, first dog was Harvey, Harvey, and then we named him. Second dog was Trooper. We didn't name Trooper. He came with that because... That, I would not name a dog Trooper. And so, uh, Trooper. Uh, Trooper was, they had different personalities. Trooper was, was very much a free spirit. They're both golden doodles. Harvey, though, he, he, was, he was very, very easy to train. And so let me just give you the background. When I went to get Trooper, he was in like this nice kennel uh, where, you know, it was very clean. It smelled good. The dogs were bathed. There was no poop in there. And he pulled the dog out and it, it, the dog sold himself, right? Like he was just, looked like a little teddy bear. I was like, I'll take, I'll take all of them, right? Like, and, and just, and, and he was just amazing. When I brought him home, his true color showed. And so he chewed everything. He didn't, he hated his crate. He, he just, he just was, a, he was wild. He, he didn't walk. Anybody have a dog that doesn't walk? You're like, did you just walk? You're embarrassing me, right? We'd be in our neighborhood. There was always that one couple. They have their dog perfectly trained. You know what I'm saying? And so when you walk by, they sit and they're like, just stay, just stay. And your dog's like, <laughs> <laughs> they're judging you and your dog when you're walking by, right? And so like, he, he just was gone. Like I would hear our neighbor girl yelling, trooper, no. And he just escaped and was over there and in their house. And so he, he, he was a, he was a, he was a different, different, different character. Harvey, when we picked him up, he was in a little tiny cage like this on a cold fall day, extremely dirty, uh, covered in his, in, in, in his, in his own feces. Uh, yet he was still the same price. I don't understand that. But, and uh, when we went and looked at him, he gave him to, to us this dog. It was our first experience there. And I just thought, I guess this is what happens. He just give you a, a, a feces-covered dog and take your $1,000. And so we took the dog and we left. But I got to be honest with you. I'm not sure if it was because of how he was raised for the first six weeks of his life. He, he was, his temperament was different. Like, uh, we, my, my trooper, he wouldn't sit when we would eat. He would, I, we would like be, go, you know, go sit in your, in your corner, get away from us, stop begging. He didn't listen. Harvey, I'd be like, yo, get in your bed. He would just run over and lay in his bed. Just look at me. I was like, I like you better than, I was like, Harrison, go get in your bed, right? <laughs> at nighttime, we like, we, we crate train both of our, our dogs. Cause you know, dogs, they do whatever they want. And so uh, we were crate training them. And uh, there came a point in Trooper's life that he would go in the crate if you, if you begged him, right? Like, he, he didn't like the crate. Like, it wasn't, and so he, he, was, he was, Trooper was sleeping in our bed. He'd be up on my pillow with his arm around me, right? 
at night wake up like trooper what are you doing right he just kind of did what he what he wanted harvey what was like very much to himself and 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 so he he loved going inside of his ice called his house i would get in your house he would go get in his house and i would close the door he was happy he smiled at me he loved it and uh i remember as we trained him he got to the point where he was potty trained and uh I didn't want him to sleep in, in the crate anymore in his, in his thing because we had a, we had a big house and I'm, you're, you're part of the family now uh, for, for two months. We're going to have a good run. And so, like, I want you can come sleep. You can sleep in a bed. You can get, sleep with the boys. My boys be like, hey, Harvey, come sleep, sleep with me. And, and every night without, without fail, even though that we would say, hey, you, can, you don't have to sleep in the crate. You don't have to stay in there. He, he would run and he would get in his, in his box, or in his crate, his house. He thought it was his house. And he would wait for us to close the door. Some nights I left it open and thinking, well, he'll come out when he gets tired of it. And all night, guess what he did? This, 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 is, this is the safety of it. This is his house. And this, this has been the point of this. So the, the goal of the sermon series, let's, let's, get the, let's get the door open. Let's take off the door of assumptions and, and responsibilities and routine. Let's, let's, let's step out. But, the, but some of you, the Holy Spirit has taken that door away and you're still afraid to come out. The, the next step is one that takes a massive amount of faith. Faith. You know what the opposite of faith is? Anybody know? Starts with the F too. Fear. It, it, it takes faith to step outside of the cave. I have more faith in the comfort of my surroundings, in the comfort of my routine, in the comfort of my responsibilities. Even in the comfort, some of you, you've lived your entire life with guilt. You don't even know how to live without guilt. It's actually your pet. It's your friend. Like guilt is part of my life. And the cage has been opened and you have to take the next step. That next step is all about faith. The opposite of faith is fear. Here's what fear actually stands for. I started thinking about it this week. Uh, can you bring that acronym up for me? We have that? All right, there we go. Fear, fear. Uh, faith erased, adventure rejected. Fear. Faith, because the opposite of, of, of fear is faith. Faith erased, I can't step, right? Faith erased in my life, and here's what happens. Adventure that God has for you, without you even knowing it, you reject it. I don't know about you, but it has stuck, this is the one thing that has stuck with me in my, in my, in my, in my six weeks in this series. I, I, I am tired of living the life that I'm living right now. Anybody else? Not tired like I'm gonna, I wanna be dead, right? Not like that. Like, I, I, if this is it, if this is it, I just, not, not you guys, right? Eight o'clock service. <laughs> like, this is it. You just wake up, do your sermon, put on church, sing three songs, preach 35 minutes, tell a couple jokes, pray, get an Arkansas shirt, never going to wear, right? Like, I do need to wash my car, though, later on, right? This is it, Montgomeryville. This is it. I don't know about you. That terrifies me. At the end of my life, I don't want to look back and go, man, I didn't see God move mightily on, on my behalf. But he, here's the problem, right? The difference between where that I am right now, where that I am, and where God wants to take me as I move forward may be a scary decision that I'm refusing to take. The difference between where I am as, as a pastor, some of you, you're your people, and where God wants to take me 
may be a scary step. And here's the problem for most of us. We believe this lie. He talks about it in the book. The lie is that God wants to send us to safe places to do easy things. It's easy. Start following God. Everything gets easy. Here's the truth. That God wants to send you to a dangerous place to accomplish something difficult. Dangerous places to accomplish what he said is difficult things. I want to give you an example of this moment in life where God has opened up the cage of your life. You have this amazing opportunity, but fear and faith are on the precipice of it. And you have to decide what to do. And I'm going to show you how to make this move. I'm going to show you how to stay away from this cage for the rest of your life through, through this story. So I want to introduce you to a story. And I say this every week. It's my favorite story, right? And so, and you believe it. And so, but this is, this is one of my favorite examples of somebody who gets this opportunity to step outside of this cage is literally confronted with all sorts of fear, reason, worry and doubt and takes this dramatic, it almost seems too dramatic, right? This dramatic step to begin to follow God's purpose and plan for his life. This man's name is Elisha. Everybody say Elisha. Elisha. You got to say it louder. I can't hear you. I'll say Elisha. Elisha. There you go, Elisha. And so, and his, he's connected to a man named Elijah. Everybody say Elijah. Elijah. Elijah and Elisha. I know it's confusing. Could have went with Bob and Elisha, but God did this. And so Elijah and Elisha. If you don't know anything about the Bible, uh, God would often pick uh, what the Bible calls his prophets, prophets. And it wasn't a good job. It wasn't prestigious at all. It wasn't something that you wanted to do. It was a calling. Because oftentimes, as a prophet, you were isolated, you were alone, and nobody liked what you had to say because you were telling them things that God wanted to change about them. Sometimes you get a prophetic word at church. It doesn't feel like dessert. It feels like a kick in the throat. You ever been there? And you actually want to walk away mad, but the truth is you can't be mad because it's the truth. But oftentimes, that's not how we respond. So Elijah is in this environment where God is telling him to do things and say things. And starting from the top, the king and his queen, people absolutely hate him. You can, you can see his raw emotions in this. He's all alone. Nobody wants to live life like this. Nobody wants to be unliked. Uh, nobody wants to be alone. Nobody wants to be isolated. In fact, at one point, Elijah says, listen, I'm the only one left. He's being dramatic. You ever been there? There's no other Christians in this whole business. You're being dramatic. I'm the only Christian in my entire school. Drama. I'm the only one that does this, Elijah. He says, I'm the only prophet left. God's like, really? There's other ones. You're the most famous because of me, but we're not going to talk about how I promoted you. We're going to talk about how you're all alone. Okay, like let's be all dramatic, right? And so at some point, Elijah has this amazing opportunity to see God move mightily in his life. He has uh, what the Bible says is this competition with these other prophets, these false prophets, the prophets of uh, the god Baal, Baal. And so uh, they gather all these prophets of Baal and all the people of the country, and it's all these prophets of Baal and Elijah by himself. They build these altars, and the competition is we're going to pray that God sends fire, our God sends fire to the altar. Whatever God responds to that is the one true God. So the prophets of Baal go first. Elijah's a gentleman. He's like, you go first. They start to pray. Elijah's sitting off to the side talking trash, right? He's telling them, hey, maybe he's sleeping. Maybe he's relieving himself. He's in the bathroom. He doesn't hear you. I'm not sure what's going on. You can just see Elijah. He's having a good time, right? And so uh, they, they finish. Nothing happens. They're cutting themselves. They're weeping and wailing. Baal is not responding. Elijah, it's his turn, dumps water all over the altar for, for added suspense, right? Dumps water all over the altar, soaks it. By the way, it hasn't rained for years. 
So he's wasting water. Like he, this, this is the pressure cooker right here. The Bible says he prays, fire comes down from heaven. Everybody worships God. They kill all of the prophets from Baal. You think Elijah would celebrate immediately. Elijah goes to a cave by himself and he's depressed. You ever been there? There's been moments in my life where I've said to God, God, if you do this, I'll be happy. If you, I remember when we had just a few hundred people in our church. God, if you would, if you would grow our church to this size, it would be amazing. And then it gets to that size, and the next day you're like, that's it? That's it? And here's why. Because oftentimes we put our eyes on the gift instead of the giver. You ever do that with marriage? Like you get married, you're like, this is amazing. And then like two months later, you're like, this is it? Them? Really, God? Give me a kid. This one, God? You've you put your eyes, right, on the gift. Some of you are like, that's not funny. That's true. <laughs> on the gift instead of the giver. Instead of going to the giver and saying, I'll, I'll take whatever you want to give me. I'll steward it. I'll worship you. I'll fix my eyes on you. Oftentimes, we've got our eyes fixed on what he can give us. So he's depressed. The Bible says that God meets him in this moment. He's, he's close, and uh, he feeds him, and then he gives him an assignment. I want you to go uh, to this town, and the next prophet is there. I want you to anoint him. And so that's where we pick up the story. Elijah is about to go anoint Elisha to become the prophet. Now, I want to preface this by telling you, Elijah is one of the most famous men in the world. You either hate him or you, you love him. So I want you to think, this, this would be like the most significant person, human, you can think of, showing up at your house unannounced. How excited would you be? You, 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 how, how amazed would you be? So Elijah shows up at Elisha's house. The Bible says in 1 Kings 19, Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Snapchat. Son of, you see that? Son of Snapchat. And so, <laughs> first time I could ever, because I did this story years ago, Snapchat wasn't around. So I was thankful for that inspiration from the Spirit. And so, he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. So he's working. He's, he's got a business. He's, he's comfortable. He's in the cage of routine and responsibility. He's got, got some people working for him. God doesn't often show up in, you know, convenient times, by the way. He doesn't take you between jobs and be like, no, I want to I do it. Oftentimes, he calls you when you're at the precipice of success, the height of what you worked for. He's getting a family business handed down to him. The Bible says that Elijah goes up to him and throws his cloak around him, just puts it on him. No words. He knows what this means. This is the cloak of the, of, of the prophet, the mantle of God on my life. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elisha. I mean, he just put it on him and walked away. Let, let God work it out. The Bible says Elisha runs after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I'll come with you. Let me take care of my responsibilities. Let me wrap up loose ends. Let me figure out some situations and some steps that I need to take. Let me go back, and then I'll come with you. Some of you have been saying that to God, by the way. Let me, let me, let's let me pay down my bills a little bit more. Then I'll, then I'll come. Then I'll, then I'll follow you. Let me, let, me, uh, let, you, you let, me, let me get a little more education before I take that step. Let me, you know, before I, before I quit this job, let me, let me get the next job figured out. Like, let me, let, let me do that. Let me, you know, before I make that change, let me, let, me just, let me just get a couple things in order. You ever been there with God? I'm on the Dave Ramsey plan, God. Got to understand this. I'm in month six of year, you know, six. I'm in months since of year six. Like, I got, I, got, I got five and a half years. So just give me five and a half years, God. Let me pay down this debt. Let me get that beach house. Then I'll follow you. Let me get my ducks in a row. You ever been to work? Let me, let me figure this. That's not how God works. That's not how he works in our lives. He doesn't come and say, you got it all figured out. Okay, now you're, you're ready. The Bible says that, that, that Elijah tells him, go back. What have I done to you? He's like, you ain't ready. 
I don't think you can do this. And here's what he does next. So Elisha left him and went back. But when he goes back, he does something that's so monumental, so significant, so important. If you miss it, you miss it. The Bible says that he goes back and he, he doesn't even say he tells his mom and dad by. It, it says he goes back and he takes his yoke of oxen and he kills them. Vegans, just cover your ears right now. He, he destroys them, right? He, he burns all of his plow equipment to cook the meat. And he has a cookout for his friends. And they eat, the, they eat, they eat, their, they eat Betsy, right? It's Betsy right there. The Bible says, then he set out to follow Elijah and become his servant. Why is this so significant? Well, this is a step right here of faith or fear. And he, he takes, I want to show you what he does. It, it is such an important moment in the life of Elijah. And I just, want to, I just want he doesn't take the next step and become the prophet either. He doesn't have it all figured out. He's going to follow Elijah. He, he doesn't really know what he's going to do next. He's going to go through training. He's going to go through moments of being alone. He, he, he doesn't have everything figured out after. He just knows what he's supposed to do right now. But because of what he does in this moment, he fulfills what God is calling him to do. I want to show you what he does. Why is this moment so important? Here's, here's the first thing. The reason people oftentimes take a step. Some of you, you're going to, some of you have done this before. You're like, I'm going to take a step, and you get out here, and what do you do? My dog Harvey was so good at, and so comfortable in his case, he literally took his paw, and he would close it. He would just close it. Like He, he loved loud noises. Where did he go? Nighttime, cage, thunder, cage. Alone, where does he go? Cage. The door could be wide open. Dude, get out. It's like, give me the cage. And here's the problem with so many people. The reason you start to move and then you quickly run back to the cage is because the option to go back in the cage is there. Let me keep my options open. If this doesn't work out the way I think it should work out, I'll head back. Let me just, it's not going to work out like you think it's going to work out. I figured one of you would be like, oh, that's good news, right? Because some of you stepped out and you're like, this is not working. Yes, it is. Your faith is being expanded, right? Your trust in God is being strengthened. The Bible says you're developing perseverance. And when you have perseverance, you lack nothing with, with, with your faith. Some of you never had perseverance, right? You can't even stay persevering in your eating habits. I'm going to eat healthy. I quit today, right? Why don't you start yesterday? perseverance, right? It's not, you're going to step out. It's not going to go exactly as you think it's going to go. And if you've tried to work everything out, you're going to immediately get back in. So what does, what does Elisha do that is so interesting? Because he knows this about him. So I'm going to go follow Elijah. Here's what most Christians would do, but I'm going to keep my family business open just in case Elijah is crazy. Just in case what he asked me to do doesn't make sense. Just in case we get in a feud, like a church hurt feud, and I need to go back. I need to keep, hey, 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 Sam, right? That's his coworker. Hey, Sam, keep, keep the yoke, keep the oxen, keep the barns, keep them well fed. I'm going to go try this out for a little bit, but if it doesn't work, I'm gonna, I'll be back to run the family business. He knows if he gives himself a way out, eventually he's going to do what? He's going to take the way out. So, so what does he do? He takes the oxen, he, he burns them. It, it seems dramatic to some of you, right? It seems dramatic, like that seems dramatic. Could have sold them on Facebook Marketplace, right? <laughs> he, 
He, he knows his heart. And so he takes the oxen and what he's worked years for. Because some of you, that's your excuse. I've worked years to do this. I've went to school for years. I put so much work into this for years. I've done this. I've planned this. I've organized this. I've made this step. He's saying, this is my business. I put work into this. I've tilled up these fields. I, I have this successful business. I got this five-year plan. And if I don't destroy this, I'm never going to follow God. So what does he do? He takes a proverbial lock, puts it on the cage. Let me get this. Let me work this right. Puts it on the cage, takes the key, and he throws it. Heads up. So I'm like, yeah, I'm preaching. Thanks for listening, right? <laughs> what happens when he wants to go back and get in the cage? I'm scared. Find the key. I can't get in. Why? Because you threw the key away. You, you can't go back. It's like that old song, that song we used to sing in church years ago. You probably never heard it if you're young, but the song used to go, I've decided to follow Jesus. Remember that song? I've decided to follow Jesus. I've decided to follow Jesus. What was the next line? No turning back. We don't say that. I've decided to follow Jesus, but I got Aflac. <laughs> Just in case of emergencies. <laughs> I decided to follow Jesus, but I kept that person's number on my, on my contact list. Just, just in case I don't find anybody after I threw the key away on that relationship, I might have to go back. I've decided, I've decided to follow Jesus, but I kept a bunch of this finances in the bank just in case this doesn't work out. I've decided to follow Jesus. I get it, by the way. When I decided to follow Jesus and become a pastor, I went to Bible college. I don't know if you understand what Bible college represents, but it represents a, a degree that you get that is worth nothing in the real world. That's what it is. Like if you, like somebody like, that seems rude. Hey, I'm going to call the school up and see if I can teach history. What do you have a degree in? Genesis, <laughs> right? Like it, it, I went to school and I got a degree and, and for years I used to think to myself, I should, I should have, I should have went to real school and got a real degree in something, right? So that if I didn't like being a pastor, I would have a way out. I would have an exit plan. And here's what I got to tell you. I am so thankful that I don't have a way out because if I would have had a way out, I would have been gone a long time ago. So I'm like, that seems rude. You don't like being a pastor? No, not most of the time. I don't. I'm just being honest with you. It's an extremely awful job. You deal with awful situations. I got to do a funeral for a, for a loved one of, in this church that, I, I, in my opinion, did not live long enough. I got to stand in front of a group of people on Tuesday and bring some form of hope. I, we know what the hope is, but I, I don't understand it. So, hey, come up with four points. Tell people about the gospel. I'm like, I, Find someone else. But here's the thing about it. I don't have an exit plan. And it's a good thing because I'm constantly reminded. You locked the cage up of your potential to be a coach years ago. You can't teach. You can't even do your kids math. What are you going to teach in elementary school? What are you qualified for? Not much. So I'll keep walking up on the stage and believing that God uses unqualified people to share his gospel. That's what I'm going to do. That's all I'm going to do. And then when I walk off and I want to quit, I'm going to remind myself, your diploma is in Limerick in the closet. It says pastoral ministries is good for nothing. So you're stuck. You burn the cow, right? You burn the plow, ate the cow. What are you, you going to do? And I, I'm just telling you, at some point in your life, you've got to have that mentality. You've got to have that moment. Some of you want the insurance plan. There's no insurance plan. 
I'm not going to give myself a way out. Here's what I put in my notes. It's really, I said, if you give yourself an exit plan, you should just plan to exit now. If you give yourself an exit plan, you should just plan to exit now. It's like a prenup in marriage. You ever meet somebody like, we got a prenup. I'm like, that's dumb. Why? Because you are setting yourself up for divorce. You're basically saying this isn't going to work. It's not going to work. We're going to get, we're going to get, we're going to get a divorce. Like we're, we're not going to do this. There's other people. I meet them. They're like, I'm like, you, you, you're married now. We lived together for 16 years. Get married. Why don't they get married? You want to know why people don't get married? They've been living together for a long time. They'll tell you, oh, we don't have enough money. I'm like, you pay bills, groceries, gas, cars, dogs, life, wash, taxes. You do all that together at that house. What do you think marriage adds to it? You are married right? Here's why most people don't want to get married. They're living together. You ready for this? Because if they get, if they get married, they don't have an exit plan. If you stay single, you could be like, this is dumb. I want, I need to do, I need to, I need to leave you, right? We tried it out. It didn't work, right? If you're married at some point, you're going to go, we tried it out. It didn't work, but we're stuck. Am I preaching right? We got to figure this out. We got to stay. That, that, that is what happens. If you give yourself an exit plan, you're going to eventually Take the exit. One of the reasons people go back is the option is, is there to go back. Number, number two is this. Is, uh, the reason it's an option is because you don't recognize the opportunity. Here, here's, here's the difference between most of us. Elijah shows up at Elisha's doorstep. So, so Elijah, uh, in our life, it represents Jesus. Jesus shows up on our doorstep and asks us for our lives. And we, we oftentimes make the wrong assumption about what he's asking for. We, oh, man, that's so much. You ever been there? Oh, he wants, me to give, he wants me to give him so much. He wants me to give him so much. Here's why that we, we even think that is because we're surrounded by mediocrity spiritually. When you're surrounded by low-level Christians, even a little bit of sacrifice, like some, some people at 8 o'clock, they are convinced their sacrifice is to get up at 8 o'clock and come to church. I just made this sacrifice for God. He died on the cross for me, so the best I can do, you know, the least I can do is go to church at 8 o'clock. And we, we, we live in such low level. So when, when, when the Holy Spirit comes and says, hey, I want to use your life, we're like, that's too much sacrifice. So Elisha could have done that. It's too much. You want me to come follow you? I got a business going on here. I'm going to be set for life. I got a house. I got a wife that I'm supposed to get married to soon. Like our fiance. I, I got a five-year plan. It's, it's too much. But here's, here's the difference between Elisha and most of us. Elisha rep- or, or, or understood and saw it not as a, a sacrifice, but an amazing once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. The God of the universe has sent the man of God that he handpicked to put the mantle of profit on, on my life, a nobody in the middle of farming. I, I cannot believe that God is knocking at the door of my heart. When is the last time that you had that conversation with God? We don't. Like, we, we legitimately, because we're so religious, we're like, oh, yeah, I do this for God. I serve for God. You ever have that? I serve for God, and I, and I give for God, and I do all these things for God, and so I do this for God, and then he does this for me. When's the last time you were like, Everything I do is garbage compared to the weight of the cross of Jesus Christ. When's the last time you actually sat? I know we, look, we'll do Memorial Day, we'll celebrate the, you know, people who've died. Easter, we'll celebrate the cross. And then we just move on for 51 weeks. When's the last time you just sat at the cross besides Easter and you just stared at the message, the, 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 the truth, uh, the reality of the cross, and you just lived your sense in utter amazement. Thank you, God, for what you did for me on that cross through your son. 
You, you'll begin to live instead of it being instead of it being oh man it's such sacrifice it's such an opportunity and I get it I'm there sometimes sometimes I look at people's lives and 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 I'll, and I'll be outside of 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 the gospel and my call and what God wants to do. I look at other people I'll be like oh their life is so much better than mine they're at the beach on Memorial Day it's like Memorial Day happens everybody's at the beach you know where I was at yesterday I'm like we got to do something let's go to St. Pete's with hippies where there was a bunch of hippies right She's on patrolly all over the place and right and like everywhere. There's just it's just everywhere, just hanging out and I'm looking at people's things are at the beach already, eating lobster rolls, and you know, I'm I, I try to go get ice cream at St. Pete's to save the day, it closes at three. I'm like, it's fine, we'll go to the Coventry Mall, we'll go get pizza, that's close. And you just start looking at I go to church tomorrow. You start looking at your life, oh and it's so, and then I have to step back and remind myself, man, what an amazing life that I get to live. What an amazing opportunity that God has called. I get to talk about Jesus today. I, I get to share the message of hope and the message of forgiveness and the message of calling and the message of adventure. And you start, I mean, I know it's not sacrifice. It's, it's opportunity. The reason so many of us get here, we don't, we don't wait. We're like, I can't believe he's asking me for this. Instead of saying, I can't believe he wants to use my life like this. Number three is this. The third thing, number three, is when you get the correct perspective, this, this, uh, it will encourage what I will call courageous action. So here, here's been my prayer. When I say five, that's really what I've been praying, just five. And I'm not talking about little things like, oh, I decided to tithe. That, that's, that's, that's significant in your life. Uh, I decided to serve. Those are, I'm talking like life-altering. Like this person in this sermon series, the Holy Spirit spoke to you, and you say, man, I'm moving my family to this part of the world to start a church. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to take on this financial burden to do this. I'm gonna, I'm, I don't know what it is. I've just been praying, God, in this church, uh, if we're always talking about how we want to be a church filled with history makers, God, would you do that? And so I've been praying just five. Like other stuff can happen. Some people are going to tie. Some people are going to sign to serve. Some of you are going to come to church faithfully. Like little, 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 little baby step things. That, that's great. But God, five, five people that we talk to, that you talk to them in a couple years, and they say, that sermon series literally changed the trajectory of my life. That's what happened here. Literally everything changes in this moment, right? Everything changes. And he, here's what I think happens. I think he had the correct perspective. And so we look at it, we're like, it must have been easy. It was super scary. But because he had the correct perspective of Elijah, it encouraged in him what I would call courageous actions. In other words, he lived with what I would call the awe of his call. He, he, he had this sense of awe in that moment. I can't believe that I get to follow Elijah. I can't believe that I get to leave all this and be by this man of God. I, I can't believe that I get to have this experience in my life. I can't believe that God is choosing me. I, I got to be honest with you. Uh, that's hard. That's hard for me to keep that all of your call. I've been doing this for 20 years, but I remember um, when I was 22 years old and I got asked to come to a church for my first position and I was super underqualified and I actually lied. He was like, hey, yeah, what do you think about doing kids? You interested in doing kids? I was like, sure. I need a job. He's like, what do you know about kids? I was like, lots. That was my answer. I didn't take any children's ministry classes at school. I didn't. I don't even know how to do puppets. I've learned puppets since, right? Like, can't move both top and the bottom. You can only move the bottom because that's more realistic. I'm like, it's a puppet. Everybody knows it's fake, right? And so, so I learned puppets. And I remember uh, I, I got this first job and I started working with, with the kids at the church and I didn't know anything. I told you before, I, my honest, my, one of my first mistakes I made on a Sunday night is I had all the kids together. Their parents were in church. 
uh, they, they, were, they were kind of out of control. And so I sat them down on these bleachers in our thing. And I said, if, you, if you're good for the next this many minutes, I'll give you Mountain Dew and popcorn. So I filled these kids with Mountain Dew, right? Sent them home to their parents. They told after I told them not to, right? They have a big church meeting. This new children's pastor is giving our kids. I'm like, I don't, I didn't know. Mountain Dew's awesome, right? And so it's got me through college. And so, and I just had, it was just, this, it was just fun. Like, I remember you had, you had moments where you play, you play games, these kids. We went to camp. I went to camp. I got paid to go to camp three weeks every summer. Camp, 105 degrees, Oklahoma, outside night services, uh, rattle, rattlesnake infested cabins, no pool. We swim in the creek, camp. And I remember, if, if you told me I had to go to camp now as a 43-year-old and sleep in those conditions, I would retire from what I do right now. But I was super, I'm like, yeah, camp, let's go, right? Swim in the creek. And it was awesome. And then, you, and, then, and then I remember they came to me like six months in, like, hey, you want to do junior high ministry? We don't have a junior high ministry. You want to do it? And I, I didn't complain. I wasn't like, am I going to get paid more? What's I was like, sure, let's do it. So then I started having 13, 14, 12-year-old kids on Wednesday night. And they were like, hey, you got you to you you figure it out from scratch. We had about 15 kids. I remember I had this all of my calls. Like, yeah, I'll do whatever. What do I got to do? We got to learn how to set up a sound system. Like, here's a snake. I was like, I hate snakes, right? They're like, no, not a real snake, like a snake, like a sound thing. Oh, yeah, you got to roll it out. You got to plug your XLRs in there. I'm like, what's an XLR? Like, this is an XLR. Plug your XLRs and bring them up to the thing. Turn on your, turn on your sound system. Play your music. Okay, then, then what do we got to do? Well, we don't, have, we don't have a preacher. Okay, I guess I'll preach. You ever preach before? Once in class. You're going to preach every week. Okay, guess I should read my Bible for the first time. That's literally where I was at. I went to Sunday school my whole life, went through Bible college, barely passed, never even bought books my last two years. I didn't know how to exegete anything. Preach. Okay, I'll figure it out. Started preaching. Then it was like, hey, you need worship. I'm like, anybody lead worship? They're like, maybe you. I'm like, yeah, try it. David Crowder does it. I'll do it. We started a band. I remember we had this guy named John. Uh, I found him in the church. He used to play on the worship team. He had a legitimate mullet, like a real mullet, not like a, like a kid mullet from right. You know what I'm talking about? Like kids be having mullets right now, and they look decent. This was like a real mullet with like water in it, like slick back. I was like, can you be my guitar player? He was like, yeah, sure. Found this girl named Jordan. She became my, 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 uh, my drummer. She was like a 16-year-old girl, and she was interested in helping with the junior high ministry. I was like, can you play drums? She was like, oh, yeah, I'll figure it out. She started playing. I led. I promise you, the only reason junior high kids came to church for the first seven months of that ministry is to watch me crash and burn every Wednesday night. And they just kept inviting kids, and it just kept growing, and went from 15 kids to 75 kids, and God just kept blessing it. And it, it was, like, legitimate. It was a legitimate, like, God movement in my life and in the kids' lives and in the church. And it was just because, like, I was just like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go. Let's, let's, let's do it. You have the, all of your call. Let me, let me yeah, sure. And I just, like, to me, that's the only way to live. And I, I got to be honest with you. The older I've gotten, the more comfortable I've gotten, the more routine-driven that I've gotten, uh, the, 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 the more assumptive I got. I mean, I live with a lot of assumptions about you and me, just so you know. Like you watch people walk in. You, sometimes you make assumptions even on Sunday morning. Hey, they're they're going to hate church, right? The more assumptive I become, what, what God, like, I, I, I just, I want to, I want to get back to that where I'm living in the, all of my call. And I'm just, anytime, I'm just stepping out. Okay, I'm going to follow you. I'll do whatever you ask me to do. God, you want me to give money? I'll give money. But God, you want me to switch jobs? I'll switch jobs. God, you want me to move? I'll move. God, anything you want me to do, you can have my life. It's the only way to live. Let me bring that fear, fear acronym one more time up. Fear, fear. Can you bring it up for me? What is it again? Faith erased. 
adventure rejected. Faith, God's calling opposite of, opposite of, of faith. What is it? Fear. Taylor sent me a, a message this week, a text, and I've heard this before said, and he, he sent it. He said, I don't know if it's true, but it sounds good. And so I don't know if this is true or not. Uh, I'll ask chat later on, right? And so, uh, but, but he said um, that in the Bible, there's 365 verses that tell you to fear not. I don't know if that's true or not, but if it's true, it's pretty awesome. 365 verses. So one for every day telling you, don't, some of you Google it, check it out. I'm not sure if it's true. Don't send me an email. I just said, I don't know if it's true. <laughs> but it sounds really good. Like 300, a, a daily reminder, I'm going to walk by faith and not sight. I'm going I'm to walk through my fear towards what God is calling me to do. Just five of you. Just five, just six, just seven. I mean, let's, let's, some of you are like, that's a little, just eight of you. Just somebody in this place looking back on this series and specifically this day because the, the last step is fear and you've been, you've been afraid and this story's spoken to you and just going to look back on May 23rd or, or May, the, May 2023 and you're going to go, man, that was, that was the month, that was the series, that was the moment, that was the sermon, that was the prayer, that was, that was it, that was the moment in my life where I stepped outside of the cage, I locked it up, I threw away the key and I never went back. I decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Would you stand to your feet? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Just a few of you. Here's why I say that. I know not every person in this room, God, God's call, calling you to move. Like some of you, God's calling you to stay. That's just as scary. So like you make a mistake in church when you think every message specifically is for you like sometimes it's not for you sometimes there's something in it like you struggle with anxiety or fear but sometimes the spirit of God is saying no I want you to stay I want you to stay in that situation I want you to keep faithfully following me I brought you there I put you there if I called you there I'll see you through it some of you it's little steps like it's not it's not so monumental where you have to literally lock up the cage and throw away the key it's just little steps like some of you literally you've been a part of church for a while and uh just getting involved and being a part of something bigger than yourself. That's, that's, I mean, it feels bigger than maybe it is for you, but literally it's just a little step of obedience that will actually change, absolutely change your life. Like that's what will happen. But some of you in this place, like specifically, God, God has been speaking to. And, and it's been getting louder and louder. And here, here's what you've been saying. You've been saying, okay, how many weeks is this sermon series? Okay, six weeks. Okay. We're almost done it and the Holy Spirit will be done. That's what you've committed. Okay, he's going to talk about words next week. It's a little safer for me. I'm, I, he gave me a heads up. I'm going to try not to complain this week so I don't feel convicted next week, right? And I, I'm just telling, here's what I found about the Holy Spirit. Uh, when he calls you to something, he just keeps calling you. He just keeps calling you. Like I, I can tell you, years ago, when he, when he told us, give away 10% of your money, that was a massive decision in our church. We could barely pay our bills at that point. Give away 10% of your money. Give it away, give it away, give it away. You know what I did with those calls when the Holy Spirit called? I sent that to voicemail. I ignored. I did it for a couple years. And here's the mistake. I kept telling him, okay, Holy Spirit, let's move on to something else. And he would always tell me, we can't move on to something else till we handle this. What you're asking me to do is built on that decision. 
so one day it was like, okay, this is what we're, I don't understand it. I don't get it. I'm severely afraid. But the opposite of fear is faith. I'm going to follow you in faith. And when I began to follow him in faith, that's when the true financial adventure of our church began. We could barely pay the bills on a free building we owned. Barely pay them. And it was like God took the lid off of our church through obedience. Generosity is now part of our church. It's not been a struggle since that decision. So I got to, some of you are like, okay, it's going to be over. It's not. He loves you too much. His plans are too big. He's put too much time and effort into molding you. He's given you too much talent. He's given you too many abilities. He's put you on this earth at this specific time. He's not going to stop trying to get you where he's called you to be. He's not going to force you, but he's not going to leave you alone. That's perfect parenting, by the way. That's perfect parenting. He's not going to force us because he wants us to follow him with free will. But he's never going to give up on us. He's never going to stop pursuing us. So if you're here, man, and he's, he's, he's nudging, man, just take the step. Take the step. Make the move. Make the phone call. Make the decision. Do what God is calling you to do. See it not as a sacrifice. That's a mistake. See it as an opportunity. That opportunity, that perspective, that will bring about courageous action. Courageous. Here's what I know. The Spirit of God, He responds to that. He responds to that. I don't know about you, but I want more. I've been telling him for the last month, I want more. It's not more just of church growth or bigger buildings. That's not, that's not what I'm praying for. That stuff is a natural result of the Spirit of God moving. I, I don't want that. I want more power in my life. I want more presence. I want more healing. I want more anointing. I want more, more lives to be restored. I want God to do more. I want there to be moments that happen in our church and in my life that are unmistakably from the Spirit of God. That they can't be manufactured by man. That people are confused when they look at it and they come to the conclusion there has to be a God. There has to be a God. It's not just through the words that a preacher has spoken, but it's the power of God on display. I want more. If you're in this place and uh, as we pray, you don't know the Lord, but you need to. Like it, you need to. Like you, you don't follow him. You, you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Essentially, here, here's, you, you're trying to be the, your own boss. Like you... You, you, you get up and you decide what you're going to do and you decide where you're going to go and you decide what your major is going to be and you decide how you spend your money and you, you, you do you. Like you control your life. Let me just, let me just, I wish I would have figured this out earlier, but I am not a good boss of my own life. It leaves to emptiness. It leads to anxiety. It leads to fear. Oftentimes it leads to religion. I'll add God to my life while still trying to be in charge of it. And so the only way to fully follow God in a relationship with Jesus Christ is to say, I'm not going to be the boss of my own life. I'm going to follow you with everything in me. Jesus Christ, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. You put your life in his hands. You put your faith in his finished work on that cross. What did he do? He died on the cross for your sins. You are a sinner. I am a sinner. That's as simple as you can say it. The Bible says that your sin deserves death and hell. 
that you're not a good person. That's an argument that we make with other people while we compare ourselves to somebody that's beneath us. But if you align yourself with perfection, me and you are not good people. The Bible says that the wages of our sin is death and hell, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. For anyone who calls on him shall be saved. You confess with your mouth, you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. I'm not going to be the boss of my own life anymore. That's the best decision I ever made. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you when it doesn't make sense. I'm going to follow you when I don't have all the answers. I'm going to follow you when I feel empty. I'm going to follow you when I'm in success. God, I'm going to follow you with every ounce of my being. That's the only way to do it. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I don't want to be the boss of my own life anymore. Jesus Christ, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. If that's you all over this place, maybe you're there and as I've been talking, you're like, man, that's me. Like, I'm doing an awful job. I'm doing an awful job. I'm, I'm struggling with anxiety, fear, worry, and doubt, and I don't want to be there anymore. I want to put my faith, my trust, and my hope in Jesus Christ. I want to pray with you as we close. Nobody's looking around here in Montgomeryville watching online. I don't know Jesus, but I need to. I need to make him the Lord and Savior of my life. I want him to forgive me, heal me, and make me whole. If that's you all over our houses, I know it's a little weird. I know it's a little bit of courage, a little bit of stepping outside of your own fear, a little bit of faith, but I think how you start something is important. And so what I want you to do when I ask you in a second, if you need Jesus Christ, if that's your, your yes, I need Jesus Christ to be my Lord and my Savior without thinking about who's to your right or left, if that's you, when I ask you in a second, I want you to shoot your hand straight towards heaven and we're going to pray together all over this place. This is your moment. Jesus Christ, today I'm going to put my life in your hands. Would you just begin to shoot your hand straight up all over this place, all over Montgomeryville? There's a hand right here. Is there anybody else? He says, hey, pastor, that's me. Another hand over here. Another hand right here. Jesus Christ, come into my life right now. All over our houses, would you just begin to pray? Repeat after me. Say, Jesus, today I give my life to you. Jesus, I don't want to be the boss anymore. I'm going to put my trust and my hope in you. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And on the third day, you rose in power. And it's through you that I'm a brand new person. What was true of me when I walked into this place is no longer true of me. Now all over this house, as we, we celebrate that, the Bible, I want you to picture that. The Bible says that all of heaven stops to celebrate. So we give a little golf clap every week. The Bible says that eternity is shaking right now. It's rumbling right now because people who were far from God, they felt like they couldn't be in the family of God, have been invited and said yes to him. And their life and their eternity has been forever changed. But it doesn't stop here. Whether you prayed that prayer for the first time or some of you have been following Jesus for a long time. Uh, here's what I want you to pray. I want you to all over this place. I want you to pray, Holy Spirit, right now, you can have your way in my life. Some of you, as I talked about those five people specifically, you can feel the Spirit of God. He was saying, that's, that's you. That's you. You know. You've been trying to get away. You've been trying to say no. You've been trying to run. You've been trying to make the safe decision. You've been trying to make it make sense. You, you've been asking God for, for more of the plan. You, 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 you've, been, you've been dragging your feet, right? right? Like, and everything about you has been running away, but you saw yourself in that cave. You can physically see yourself locking it up and throwing the key away. And so you know your next step. You know what God is calling you to. There's somebody in Montgomeryville, you know, you know without a shadow of a doubt what God is calling you to in this place. And all that is holding you up is you. 
It's you. It's your yes. One yes changes everything. So Lord, I thank you in advance for what you're going to do, for how you're going to continue to move in this church, Lord, that as we move forward in our words, in our sermons, God, in our direction, Lord, that you would go with us, Lord, that we would stay in step with you, that we would live and breathe with you, Lord, that this would be your church, that your presence would unmistakably be in these rooms, Lord, every time we meet, that we can feel you in a tangible way, that you continue to challenge us, to grow us, to change us, and to motivate us us to become all that you've called and created us to be. We love you and we thank you for this day. In Jesus' name we pray all over this house. Would you shout amen? Would you clap with me one more time? Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.